Amen. Amen. My children are really good at trying to cling on to things. I'm sure a lot of kids are like this. What I particularly mean is they always want to do it again. Right? Oh, do it again, do it again. Oftentimes this will take place in our living room where I'll be flipping them over my shoulders or something like that. And say, Dad, do it again, do it again. And I, I can't do it forever because I'm getting older by the day. <laughs> But the kids don't realize it. They just want to continue having that experience. And maybe it's something in the living room, or maybe it's, ah, Dada, can I have another piece of chocolate? Dada, can I have a little bit more dessert? Or maybe it's, Dada, can we please watch another movie? Can just one more episode? You know how it goes. There's something about kids where they just have this inexhaustible appetite for the good. They want those good moments to last forever. But what I'd like to talk to you about this morning is the ways that we all act like children. Because oh, it's easy to point the finger at the kids and say, oh, you always want the good moments to last forever. I think that actually this emotion lives in us well beyond our childhood years. We like to cling to the good for as long as possible. Our scripture passage for this morning will be Luke chapter 9 verses 28 through 36, and I've titled this sermon, You Can't Stay on the Mountain. Please pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. So open those Bibles, if you will, up to Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. As you've heard, this is the story of the transfiguration. And it's a very important story within the scriptures. It appears not just in Luke's gospel, but in Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel as well. Clearly, there's something here that we should be paying attention to. Um, But it's a very interesting story about something that happened to Jesus that scholars, frankly, can't exactly nail down the specific significance of it. There's a lot of arguing about why this might be important or not. But let's read it now. If you would please stand with me as we read the gospel passage. We stand as a sign of reverence and respect for this story and this scripture, for what it means for our lives. Hear with me now, Luke chapter 9, verse 28 through 36. Now after... Oh, now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on a mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of Jesus' face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to Jesus. And they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were filled with terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. 
and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Friends, this is the good news. It's the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So I want us to take a second to just really think about what's happening in this scripture story. As I said, this is a famous story, one that appears in multiple Gospels, one that is really important, it seems, in the life of the church and in our history and story of faith. And yet it's so confusing, everything that happens here. So so you've got Jesus, who's been doing a lot of ministry around town, and he decides he needs to get away for a little R&R. He needs to take some time to go up to the mountaintop to pray. And now this is a really strategic move on Jesus' part, because a lot of people weren't going to follow him up the mountain. He needed to get away from the crowds and his fame for a moment, and so he knew, you know, a good place to go is up the mountain, where there's no shelter from the wind and the rain and the cold, where the sun rays are a little bit more intense, where people won't want to follow me. So Jesus goes up to the mountain, and he brings with him Peter and James and John, his inner circle, his best buddies, and they all go up to the mountain. And so I've got to think that Peter, James, and John were walking a little straighter that day. They were feeling a little better about themselves because they got chosen to go with Jesus on the special retreat up the mountain. They had clearly kind of made the first cut here. And then what should happen on the mountain but something completely strange and unexplainable. Jesus starts to to sparkle or something. The, The scripture doesn't even give us a clear understanding of exactly what's happening. It just says that Jesus's appearance was changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Something happened up there that just we can't put our fingers on. And so Peter is seeing all of this and then he notices that Jesus isn't alone. Wait, what's that? Who's that? Is that Moses and Elijah? They're talking with Jesus? No, we need to put this into context for a second. Moses and Elijah were the best of the best in the Jewish history. For Peter, who was a good Jew, he would have known that Moses was the guy who led the Israelites out of Egypt. And he would have known that Elijah is one of the greatest prophets in their entire illustrious history. And so while Peter might have known at that time that Jesus was a big deal and really important, this moment is causing him to expand his imagination a little bit. It's not just that Jesus is a great rabbi and a great teacher. He is on par with Moses and Elijah. There's something more going on here. And so you've got to think that for Peter, this was a mountaintop moment of faith. You heard that phrase before? A mountaintop moment. Those times in our faith life where we just feel close to God in unexplainable ways. Those times when the Spirit is moving in your life and you, didn't, you can't even put your finger on exactly what's happening, but you know that there's something special here. That's what happens on the mountain. And so up on the mountain, all this is taking place. And Peter has a bright idea. And he says, you know what we should do? You know what we should? We should build some buildings. (laughs) Isn't that a strange response? He wants to hold on to the moment. He wants to put Jesus and Moses and Elijah in a small little box and keep them there forever. Isn't that so often 
what our tendency is as well, though. When we have these mountaintop moments of faith, we want to cling to it. We want to hold on to it forever, or, or we try to mass produce it so we can get back to that mountaintop moment again and again and again. We're just like Peter. Something really good happens in our life. God moves in unexpected ways, and we say, let's build a building. Let's put God in the box and keep him there so we can take him out when we need him. Now, I want to tell you about a time in my life where this happened to me. I was in 10th grade, and I got to go to this really wonderful youth event. It was a synod youth convocation, they called it back in the day. And so I got to go and meet up with other Lutheran youth from throughout my entire synod. And it was this big event that lasted about four days long, and it was incredible. It was so good for me to see and to meet kids from other churches throughout the state who also cared about Jesus like me, and, and who also didn't think church was the worst thing in the world. And so this is a powerful experience, and at the very end of this synod retreat, the very end of this youth retreat, I had this incredible closing worship service. A mountaintop moment in my faith, if I'm being honest, where the Spirit moved in a way that I had never felt before in my life, where I knew that God was present with me, that God loved me, that things were going to be okay. And it was such a powerful moment that I hung on to it and thought about it for days and weeks and months afterwards. I thought about it throughout that entire next year, to be honest. And you know what happened? The next year I went back to that same Synod Youth Retreat. And it was still a great experience. I got to see my friends again who I had met the year before. But I expected God to show up in the same way as the year before. I expected to have another mountaintop moment of faith at the closing worship service. And do you know what? It didn't happen. And I was angry. How could God do this to me? Is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with God right now? Why doesn't it work the same way that it did last year? I realize now, I was putting God in a box. I had had a mountaintop moment of faith And I thought that if I just went back to the mountain, it would all happen again for me. But church, that's not the point of a mountaintop moment. These mountaintop moments of faith are a blessing for our life. They are a blessing for your walk of faith, and they come at a particular moment in time when you probably need it most. But they are just moments. And the thing we need to remember is that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. God loves us so that we can be loving towards others. God changes us so that we can be changed in the world. The mountaintop moments are just there to be a moment to inspire you, to expand your imagination. But the real point is that someday you'll go down the mountain to talk about what has happened to you, to share it with others. I want to point out something very interesting, and it's that Churches have a tendency to cling to the mountaintop moments. You can say amen. You can say amen. Churches have a tendency to get stuck in a, in a period of time, in, in a particular moment in their history where everything was so good. We tell the stories about the glory days. The glory days when the Sunday school was so full we had no place to put all the kids. 
When the confirmation class was so inspired that they were serving seven, no, eight days a week in the community. The glory days when the worship was so full and so inspired that it changed the entire neighborhood. You know what I'm talking about. A mountaintop moment. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a great history. But so often, churches run into the struggle of putting God in a box. And thinking that God can only show up like God did on that mountaintop moment, however many years ago it may have been. Let me point out something for you. When Peter said to Jesus on that mountaintop that we should build structures here and stay here, he was saying something that I don't think he realized the ramifications of. As I told you in the beginning, the reason Jesus went up to the mountaintop to pray is because he knew no one would follow him up there. Mountaintops were not a place where you lived. In those days, you lived down in the valleys. You lived by the river so you could fish and eat some fish. You lived down in the valley where the soil could actually support agriculture. You didn't live up on a mountain because things don't grow on top of a mountain. You don't live up on a mountain because there's no shelter from the elements. Because the weather changes at a moment's notice. Because the sun's rays are more intense. So when Peter said, hey, let's build some structures and stay on the mountain forever, do you know what he was actually saying? Let's just stay here and die. You know it's true. And so church, when we try and put God in a box, when we start to think that God can only show up in one particular way, when we try to get back to whatever the mountaintop moment used to be, we're choosing death. We're not realizing the truth of the scriptures and the truth of what Jesus shows us. And that's that ministry and new life takes shape in the valleys below. The mountaintop moments are important. They are not to be disregarded, but they are a blessing that is meant to inspire us to then go out and bless others. They are a moment of change in our life that then inspires us to be the change in the world. Let me tell you something that you need to realize. Jesus Christ died on a mountaintop. A mountain called Golgotha is where Jesus stretched out his arms and breathed his last. Jesus died on a mountain so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus died on a mountain and then three days later in a cave down below, he rose from the dead. Making it clear to us that mountain is where you go to die, but down in the cave below is where new life takes shape. New life happens in the valleys below. Resurrection happens in a cave. Church, we have been blessed to be a blessing. We have been loved in order to be loving. We have been changed to be changed in the world. The mountaintop moments that we know are a gift from God. They are just moments, though. Individual blessings that we love and affirm and embrace, but that are not the entire story. We are called to follow Jesus down the mountain. To follow Jesus down the mountain because down the mountain is where change happens. Down the mountain is where healing happens. Down the mountain is where new life and resurrection takes shape. Down the mountain, Reformation, that's where we need to go. We can't stay on the mountain forever. Let's not live in the past. Let's not live on a mountain. Let's follow Jesus. Down the mountain, into the valley, to serve those in need around us. New life is taking shape. Something different is happening. And it's our call to follow.
Amen.